November. This time of year is always murder, especially when you're a hard-boiled panelist on a Switch-centric podcast. There's always a case to solve, a princess to rescue, demons to shoot, dragons to kill. It's an endless cycle. New releases rain down on us from the heavens like... Well, rain, I guess. Have you ever tried to play games in the rain? I have. You can't see anything and your console gets wet and you run the risk of getting it damaged, not to mention... Sorry, I forget where I was going with this inner monologue. Yep, there's just too many Switch games to play in this world, and too little time to play them in. This is Switch Focus. I'm Andy Corrigan, and this is episode 10. 10 episodes, eh? And they said it wouldn't last. With me, as always, is our hard boiled ace detective, Ginny Wu, and our morally ambiguous dragon slayer, Andrew Brown. How are you guys? Not too bad. Can't complain, can't complain. What about you? They had it coming, and they know what they did. <laughs> uh, and I'm good too. Okay, let's jump straight into the updates from last week's episode. Uh, now, Andrew, you finally had time to play Doom? Yes, Doom came on Tuesday, and Yay. I did spend a couple days playing it. I haven't finished it yet. I wanted to, but it just it didn't happen because this was a big week for releases. Uh, but I got about halfway through it, and I am enjoying what i played of it so far. Yes. You know, the elephant in the room on this game is its performance and how it looks. And I do have to say, playing it in docked mode, which is how I play games like this, I just prefer playing them docked, uh, it doesn't look that great, I gotta say that. And I don't know if that's uh, because of the porting process and just the concessions they had to make just to get this monster of a game even running on this hardware, or if it's just the art style itself i'm just not satisfied by it but when the game is running it doesn't matter but when i'm like when i'm looking back on it i'm like this really doesn't look that great my thing with it was in handheld it looks awesome <laughs> when i docked it my initial thing was it doesn't look so good but you remember like when uh, dvds first came out and you'd go back to a vhs tape and go i don't think i can watch this and then after 10 minutes you wouldn't care it was kind of like that sort of thing yeah, I mean, that, that's a decent enough example. I don't know how many people listening to us are going to be uh, old enough to have experienced <laughs> that change of technology, but <laughs> that's an example. Um, but it does look much better in handheld mode, and I was at first concerned about how I would be able to play it in handheld mode because I tried playing it with the Joy-Con so I could try out the motion controls, which the motion controls are just, just forget them. They're, they're completely pointless. They're totally slapped on. Don't even bother. But I struggled playing with the Joy-Con and playing it in docked mode on a TV. But once I actually put the Joy-Con on the tablet and I played it portably, I adapted to it. It just takes some time because those controllers are 
they're not a full-sized controller with wings on it, so you have to grip it a little differently. So if you're really experienced playing first-person shooters on console, it's a little different when you're actually playing it on a Switch handheld, but it totally works. Yeah, my, my thing was I thought clicking the right analog stick was going to be annoying because of its positioning, but it really didn't bother me the more I played, so... I don't know if the controls are customizable, but if I can customize them, I think I'm going to take it off of that clicker because you actually click that right joystick in a lot in this game, which kind of surprises Ooh, yeah. me. So uh, I haven't looked to see if I can reassign that button yet, but I probably will. This is my first time playing Doom. I own it on PS4. I just I never got around to playing it. Um, and I was actually kind of... There's a, a moment right at the start that kind of caught my eye. It's right after Doom Guy has broken out of that little shrine he's in at the very start of the game. And you're riding the elevator up. And the guy says on the elevator in, like in their, their advertisement for this science they're doing. He says, we're doing this for the good of humanity. And Doom Guy, who is being controlled by the computer at this point, kind of glances to the right and you see uh, this corpse there who's all bloodied. And it's like, it's a totally silent moment. There's no dialogue there to really lampshade it or anything. But it just demonstrated to me that there is a human here involved with this character who doesn't even have a name. He's named Doom Guy. It's like, he's running through this base. He's slaughtering things left and right but when he hears a phrase like we're doing this for the good of humanity and then he just looks around at this carnage even he's like you're full of it so i i appreciated that there yeah they um without giving him a voice or or anything they sort of characterize him i mean he he is the like silent protagonist but he there are some great moments mm. um and i i i love how he's he's just there to kill and destroy things and the the NPCs are pleading with him to like, hey, please don't destroy that. And he's just like, yeah, smash. <laughs> What's the rhythm like in terms of Doom on the Switch? Just out of curiosity as someone who is still PC playing it. Like in terms of the shooting and the grabbing and the dismembering, is the flow of it affected at all by the change, the hardware change? To, to me, it felt exactly the same as the PS4 version. Okay. So I, I, I without playing them one after the other, I probably mm. wouldn't be able to tell. And I just got straight back into the rhythm of it. I have nothing to compare it to, but it feels fine to me. I mean, you, you shoot at a thing until it stumbles, then you do the glory kill on it, you move on to yeah. the next one. Uh, and it just, it's very satisfying, that whole process. Mm. I'm, I'm just playing on the regular difficulty level. Uh, I don't know... <laughs> I don't know what it's like on the harder difficulty levels, but just playing on this, it, it feels fine. I think I'm going to go back and play it on the harder ones too. Yeah, I, there's just one place where I've really run into performance issues, and that's when Olivia opens the portal. The game really chugs there, like super framey, but it's just one part, and it's not even a, a section you're supposed to actually win, so it doesn't matter. I, I didn't notice that. But I probably played that part in handheld mode, mm. thinking about it. Yeah, so maybe I didn't notice. It might be a thing that only happens in dark mode. What did you make of the uh, character customization stuff? The, you know, like boosting the suit and picking new skills and stuff. I appreciated that. Uh, one of the things that I, 
uh, I don't know if I've mentioned on this podcast, but I'm infamous for it uh, in the community of people who follow me. Uh, I am super bored with first-person shooters. Uh, I, I rarely play one that I enjoy, and it's because they don't give you anything to work towards. Like, they give you, here's a gun, go kill some things. Like, why? I want to do something more than that. But Doom gives you things to find. It gives you things to upgrade based on the things that you do find. I can work towards developing a gun I do like. I can develop my suit in a way. Like, if I feel like I'm not having enough ammunition, I can choose to have more ammunition or I can develop my health and if I really want to I can go back and I can scour the levels to find all the collectibles I missed so I can make my character even more powerful I just that kind of system is what really makes me stick with the game it practically makes it an RPG but you know that's what makes me want to play it so I appreciate seeing that in Doom as well I think it's balanced really well as well because they, they sort of it is a power fantasy and you feel like you're you know, you're just tearing through these demons, but they keep it at you, they keep the difficulty just so like a step ahead of your capabilities. So you always feel like you're being pressured, and but then you're also constantly overcoming it. So yeah, it's a really satisfying uh, gameplay loop on that. I think. And what about Cat Quest, Andy? You've been playing that. Yeah. So as you know, I was a bit on the fence about this last week, uh, and was convinced on the show to buy it following glowing appraisals from both Ginny and Andrew. Excellent. I love cats. We have three of the little buggers in our household. I love RPGs. So what could go wrong? Not a lot, thankfully. It's a very tight, fast-paced RPG. Uh, As Ginny said last week, it feels like a brilliant palate cleanser going from Doom to a meteor RPG in Skyrim. Everything feels like it's built around uh, brevity. It constantly keeps you moving. You level up quickly. You buy new spells often. There's not a great deal of item micromanagement, no parties to spec or anything like that, which might put off hardcore fans, but as a fan of shorter RPGs, which is a subject I've written about for IGN, I'll link it in the show notes um, I'm, I was a huge fan of that, found it like really refreshing to experience all these like traditional RPG systems but condensed, sped up mm. and uh, yeah, I was able to beat it over two days probably helped by the fact that I've had a couple of days where I've uh, not been able to do a lot, so uh, it was perfect to get me through that um, and it still felt like a great RPG experience I thought tons of little touches that I really liked uh, I don't think we mentioned this last week but how great is that world map yeah that's pretty cute I think graphically it just looks good like you're at, you're actually on, on the world map playing as you're <laughs> running around you can zoom out at any time and see the whole scope which was cool if you like cat related puns then you're going to be well serviced because they hit you with them every single turn <laughs> But my favourite use has been the clever substitution of swear words. So there's a couple of times where a character used the word furry instead of dropping the F-bomb, which is really charmingly done, I thought. I don't want to bang on about it too long because we already covered it a bit last week. But sure, super happy with my $15 reduce. Awesome. Now, we forgot to mention this in the release list last week, uh, but Heroes of the Monkey Tavern came out. Andrew played the demo and liked it a little more than I did, I think, but I think your expectations were probably lower than mine. I've never played a first-person dungeon crawler I have had glowing things to say about, so I wasn't expecting anything from Heroes of the Monkey Tavern. Like I was expecting literally nothing from it. So all it really had to do was not com- feel like I was completely wasting my time with it, and I was going to be happy with it, and that was pretty much how I felt. Uh, my only 
a surprise was it from I was surprised to learn it's all prefab. I thought it would be randomly generated, but it's not. So that's a disappointment for me. But other than that, I was expecting a first-person dungeon crawler, and that was what I got. Yeah, even though I didn't like it, I don't know if it's just because I'm playing Skyrim and I'm in a fantasy mindset that I, I, I'm still tempted to give it a go. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, also, I had a chance to play through Yono and the Celestial Elephant, something we talked about a couple of episodes back. Uh, again, because I've, I've been not able to get around that much, I have had time to get through it i actually got through it in one day in one sitting wow which which was quite the effort mm. uh so yes yeah, so i'm using the, the time to sort of blast through some of the shorter games i haven't had a chance to play hence cat quest and now this Ginny described it as like a, a cutesy less combat focused zelda like uh, i think i'd go along with that so again i don't want to spend too much time on it because we've already discussed it once but uh, in comparison to the classic Zeldas that it's inspired by, or even the other Zelda-like that's on the Switch, which is Oceanhorn, uh, it's not quite as challenging. Offers more of a slower-paced, puzzle-centric Zelda experience, which I enjoyed as a counter to the other experiences. Um, it's pretty chilled, uh, but I did nearly come a cropper against one of the bosses, one of the few bosses it has. Um, though I did have a couple of criticisms. One, I really wish that Yono could run because she moves very, very, very slowly, mm. uh, which I'm sure contributes to much of the game's like eight-hour length. Padding. It could have been half that. Uh, two doorways are very, very, very sensitive. Like, brush yeah. slightly near a doorway, and you'll go through into the next room, even if you didn't want to. There are a couple of times where I was trying to position myself to throw an object with precision, and ended up like in the next room, but also with an explosive device on my back, which wasn't ideal <laughs> but yeah those those few complaints aside i i think it's a definite recommend for me i quite enjoyed it i, I also love the costumes that you can buy so cute so including adorable. A, a link costume yeah and you, you can also deck him out in darth maul face paint which i did i think i played most of mine as um avatar the last airbender <laughs> so that was pretty fun <laughs> Okay, now on to the latest Switch news. So apparently those devious hackers have now got homebrew software running on the Switch. Anyone want to take us through this one? It seems like there's not much to say. They've just got a homebrew app running on the Switch, but they don't actually have any software to run it with yet. So, I mean, I I guess that's it. I mean, they've got an independent app running on the switch but it has no functionality yet but they're on their way and it won't be long before we start seeing those smash brothers hacks on the switch as well well, well let's let's send it into a quick talk about do you see the merits in doing this sort of stuff um i sort of sit on both sides of the fence i've got an original xbox here that's been soft modded to so i can put movies and and things on there and play my my games without putting the disc in not piracy um, <laughs> now, where do you guys sit on that? Um, I don't think the Switch needs um, hacks per se or mods. I mean, I think I've talked about this before, but if I wanted to play modded Skyrim, I would just play the version I've got on Steam. Same with The Witcher and things like that. So, I mean, for me, I don't think it's essential that the Switch needs to have the capacity for mods at all. 
I think most of the games that people are buying on the Switch anyway were probably pre-owned somewhere else. And if we really, really wanted to change anything like the textures or the character models or add anything strange or weird, we've already got the capacity to do that. I don't think people looking at the Switch like, oh, look at this beautiful piece of hardware that can run, I don't know, dungeon mods in Skyrim. Like, I don't think that's what people are looking at the Switch for. And I mean, it, I guess it's about time that they've come out with this thing, but as Andrew just said, it's patches and patches behind. And you'll miss out on playing the later release games anyway if you do want to commit yourself to using this homebrew launcher. So at this point in time, I think with the reduced functionality of the Switch's homebrew launcher as it's been created, not a big deal. Uh, I can see how it's happened. I can, I guess there might be a really, really niche ecosystem for it on the Switch, but I think no matter what I personally think about it, people are still going to go ahead and run homebrews on the Switch anyway. It's just part of the industry. I don't really have any feelings about homebrew or hacking because I've never used the features that they open up uh like I, I don't need an independent streaming app on my switch uh, i'm happy to wait for a real one to be there uh it seems like the most productive thing as i alluded to earlier that anybody's done with the homebrew channel was uh mods for smash brothers but at the same time those mods are really regressive anyway because the biggest thing that they ever did with those smash brothers mods was make smash brothers brawl play like smash brothers melee so like, if you want to do that just go play smash brothers melee just mm. leave the thing alone but it, this is a thing that's happening so it, it's important we acknowledge it and we talk about it but i am not the person of this group to ask about it because i'm <laughs> never going to use it and i am unlikely to ever appreciate what it does bring to the system so Moving on. Breath of the Wild cleaned up at the Golden Joystick Awards in the UK. Uh, that is a, an award ceremony that uses mostly public voting as its basis for the awards. Nintendo EPD won Studio of the Year. Breath of the Wild won Best Audio. It was the Critics' Choice Award and Ultimate Game of the Year. Um, so I think that's the, the first lot doing the rounds. Well, of course it did, because it's Breath of the Wild. And I don't want to get too much into it because I'll be stepping on our Game of the Year show we're going to do later in the year, but <laughs> it's Breath of the Wild, so I would be offended if this didn't happen. I think it's got a few more awards to come yet, unless Mario Odyssey can uh, get it at the hurdle, final hurdle. <laughs> uh, and last of all, Time Magazine has named the Switch one of the best inventions of 2017. Well, duh. Yeah, I think we can all concur on that, seeing as how we are a Switch-focused podcast. So, <laughs> no disagreement there. What else even has been invented this year? Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I guess Bixby. Loot boxes. Samsung's <laughs> loot boxes, boxes or Samsung's new AI Bixby. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and with that, let's move on to this week's releases. Okay, so first up is Rocket League, which has been hotly anticipated for some time. I think I'm the only one of the trio to pick this one up. Yes, I think you are. Well, I was kind of obligated to buy it for Switch as a family member bought me a Rocket League football jersey for my birthday the other week. Oh. Uh, Extortion, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're on commission or, or whatnot, but um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I really enjoyed this on PS4, but dropped off when people started taking it way too seriously. But the Switch does feel like a good home for it, which is true of any game, really, if we think about it. What I will say, just to get any negatives out of the way, is that it definitely doesn't look as good as other versions. Uh, in fact, if you take a screenshot with the Switch's capture button, you could almost argue that it looks like a 3DS game. Oof. It looks pixelated, textureless on some arenas. Some look better than others. Uh, however, it runs like an absolute dream. I would hope so. Yeah, it runs at 60 frames per second. So in pure gameplay terms, it's every bit as good as what I experienced on the PS4. Also fully featured, no modes have been dropped from what I can tell. And it has cross-play with other formats. So mm. there's a bit of uh, confidence in the, the port's playability and its ability to connect with the other versions. Which also means there's a really large user base to jump in and play against. Never hurts. My main problem with it, though, is that I'm just not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I have real trouble timing my car's jumps and flips. True, I haven't played a ton at this stage, but I probably should put some time into practice mode to sort of sort out my deficiencies with my game because the amount of times that I missed the ball by millimeters is amazing but regardless I always have a lot of fun whenever I pick it up it's it's a bit mad trying to score a goal with jumping cars and all the hectic pilings that that occur because of it Mm. and it's definitely the best in class in the football with cars genre I think it's a very small subsection of the (laughs) game industry to be honest but um no, it's good. It's good that it plays well on the Switch. I mean, I've got it on the PC, um, so that's where I've been playing it. And I am horrendous at Rocket League, which is partly what discouraged me from buying it again, just so I would get my butt kicked on two different platforms. Um, but it's good that it plays well and it runs well. And I think, obviously, as a multiplayer game, it's incredibly well suited to the Switch. And I think it's charting really well um, as well. Not as good as Stardew Valley, which has been on the top charts for weeks and weeks now. But no, it's good. And I'm glad that we get games like this on the Switch too. Yeah, it's it's nice to, for the Switch to have a nice repertoire of solid multiplayer games, I think, to go alongside your Splatoons yeah. and, and all that. I'm surprised to hear that it's on the graphical level that you say it is. Because I've played Rocket League, I don't remember it looking that advanced so but at the same time I can understand it because they wanted to get it running at the optimal level on the Switch otherwise it's not going to be taken seriously as an option by the pro scene or the people who take it way too seriously as you put it uh, <laughs> so I, I, I can understand the compromise necessary there to get it running at 60 frames per second but I'm just I'm surprised it doesn't look that good, but it's never going to be a game that I play on this platform, so it doesn't matter. Uh, it does come with the caveat that the the people who did the port, which is Panic Button, uh, who did the Doom conversion as well, coincidentally, uh, mm-hmm. that they're going to keep working on optimization, so there may be some improvements coming in patches. Mm-hmm. It's one of those games that seems to be like an ongoing project from from the developers anyway, so we'll see how that improves in the future. Okay, we've got some feedback about this one. So, uh, Antti Pangeli, aka Antvalo, says that Rocket League is a great port. Looks a bit muddy in places, but I don't even pay attention when the game is in motion. The biggest compliment I can give it is that it's Rocket League. Feels exactly the same as the PS4 and Xbox One version, but on the go. Aaron says that Rocket League is a great port. 
Crossplay allows you to party up in private matches with friends who are on PC or Xbox, and that the Metroid and Mario cars both pay a lot of respect to their respective franchises. Craigity Craig just says, I am bad at Rocket League. Oh, <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself, Craig. Maybe it's Rocket League that's bad on you. <laughs> and Twani says, I'll probably buy Rocket League for a third time with the Switch. Okay, let's move on. We've got uh, L.A. Noir that's also out. Now, I bought it, unfortunately, because I've been playing other things and Skyrim happened. I haven't had a chance to, to start it yet. I, I will in the coming week, hopefully. Uh, you two have been putting some time in. What are you making of it? So I've been playing L.A. Noir, and I think I espoused a couple of weeks ago that I enjoy the game. I enjoy the original. Um, I thought it was a great example of narrative storytelling, even though it was very um, prone to dramatics. Um, I thought that it was great for its time. I've got really fond memories of it. And I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but Eleanor on the Switch basically seems to perform identically to its original release. Um, uh, I guess hardware and technology has improved since then. Um, Eleanor doesn't look all that different. Um, in terms of the the gameplay and the mechanics that have been introduced, it's clearly made full use of all the Switch's capabilities. This includes things like using the gyro controls on the Joy-Cons and also touchscreen antics, which I know Andrew will probably never do because he likes to preserve the life of his touchscreen. <laughs> um, but I think it's done a good job of staying true to the original, um, both literally and figuratively in terms of performance. It's still got a couple of bugs here and there. Um, I notice a lot of frame rate drops when I'm driving in particular. Um, and just I've had some strange moments in the game where I've had sort of so like a, a lag, an input lag almost, when I'm just doing something. Um, not during the interrogation scenes, thank God, but just, just in general walking around the world. Um, during combat, I've had a bit of an input lag, but not multiple occurrences of it like not enough for me to actually go this is an issue I should stop playing um, I guess just in terms of whether or not it's a good port I'm gonna say yes because it really really keeps the spirit of the original true despite the good cop bad cop accused change which isn't actually as big of a deal as I thought it would be um, I think Andrew mentioned this last week or maybe it might have been Andy but the whole good cop bad cop demarcation was what they originally designed the graphical representation of the um, people being interrogated with and also what I guess your character's motions so that's why sometimes you'd freak out or appear to freak out when you were casting doubt on someone and really it was sort of how it had already been pre-programmed according to those good cop bad cop parameters so the change is not as drastic um, as I thought it would be it hasn't affected my gameplay quality in any way or the way that I approach the interrogation scenes. Um, just in general, really solid port. Um, of course, it's not perfect, but Eleanor as a game isn't perfect anyway. And um, I think it's really strong. I'm sure they'll patch out some of the frame rate drops um, that happen when people drive. I've heard more than one person tell me about it, so I'm sure that they're going to be onto that soon. Um, I think it's just great to have it portable. Um, I'm glad that I can relive that part of my, my gaming childhood or my gaming teenagehood, I guess, so to speak. And I can take it wherever I want to go and whip it out for some short short sessions here and there. Um, it's really good. Really nostalgic. How did you feel about it, Andrew? Uh, pretty much the same way that you did as far as it being 
feeling extremely similar to the Xbox 360 version. I was actually, that was the main feeling I got from it. It was like, this doesn't just feel like a port. This feels like exactly <laughs> the same game, which is not a complaint at all. Um, I, I was a big fan of the game on Xbox 360, so if I can play it on this and can barely tell the difference, then uh, that's going to be a plus for me. The main things I noticed were uh, sometimes the character models would flicker in and out of existence briefly, mm. and also I noticed that the stereo sound mixing was a little odd in some scenes where like the camera angle would change and then the character's voice would only be coming out of one side of the speaker, but I remember both of those being problems in the original release of the game as well, so those just might be things that aren't really bugs, they're just inherent to the way the game was designed and they can't be fixed. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but just the facial tech animation, it still looks really great. I mean, it looks kind of odd at first because you can tell that it's just kind of these super detailed faces overlaid onto these really boring vanilla video game player character bodies, but once you get used to that, just the way it looks, it actually looks really great. Although, uh, if you pay too close of attention, you'll notice they actually didn't have too many actors to work with, so all the faces keep showing up on all the NPCs. It's like, wait a minute, that cop standing in the corner there was a witness I was interrogating in the last mission, <laughs> so that doesn't make sense, but that's just what is required to make a game like this, and even just doing this thing still destroyed the studio, which is a shame, because I would love to see the next game that they make, or could have made. Yeah, I agree. I think Bondi Games, this is sadly, um, I guess, the swan song of the studio. I feel like Eleanor showed so much potential that if Bondi Games hadn't just, um, if that situation hadn't imploded financially, so to speak, I think we could have gotten a string of games that were just like this because it was quite innovative for the time. And I mean, the whole motion capture facials, they were just, you know, people, that was what was hyped up about the game and really delivered on that front. So it makes me a bit sad. I think thinking about as replaying Eleanor now and just thinking about what could have been or what games we could have been looking at in the market currently if they'd stayed up. But um, I think it's a good legacy they've left behind with Eleanor and it's even better that it's now on the Switch so more people can actually experience what we'd experienced previously. And, and let's face it, it's it's a test, isn't it? Can, can our engine run on the Switch? Yeah, exactly. That's and it does. It Great. It's amazing. So port all the games, you know? We should really port <laughs> more of port them. port all the games. Yeah. yeah but do you think it's going to be Grand Theft Auto 5 or Grand Theft Auto 4 that's brought over? Uh, I think 5 for sure because yeah, that's the biggest same. hit. I don't know how much extra effort all this facial tech requires, but just looking at the game world and the level of complexity that's going on there, I feel more like Grand Theft Auto 4. I feel like L.A. Noir was just kind of a step along the way. You know, if we can get L.A. Noir working on this system, we could definitely do Grand Theft Auto 4. Maybe Grand mm -hmm. Theft Auto 5? I'm not convinced on that one because that game looked incredible even on xbox 360 so but you know maybe i'll be proven wrong that'll be nice <laughs> or how about this for a switch up max Payne 3 i'd take that yeah i oh, take that yeah. exactly. that's one of my favorite third person shooters ever so yeah bring that on 
I'll take Max Payne 3 any day. It actually does, you know, interesting things. So I'm like Max Payne 1 and 2, which are just shooters. Yeah. <laughs> I know that... I guess I'm in a good circle here with people who actually agree with me, but I know that the suggestion that Max Payne 3 is the best one in the series is not a popular idea. <laughs> mm, I'm on the fence, but I really like 3 as well, for what it did, so... Yeah, I'd love to see that. Or perhaps even Red Dead if we're looking for open world stuff That's to, to port over. what I suggested a while back. If Rockstar wants to port any games over, Red Dead Redemption, please. <laughs> that would be mm. a good advertisement for Red Dead Redemption too. Just saying. It's yeah. very true. We've had some listener feedback from Twanies on this one. Uh, they say they can't decide between the portability and convenience of L.A. Noir on Switch or the eye candy of the Xbox One. The answer is Switch. Yes, it is. Switch. Job done. I would say this for the portability. Uh, there are a lot of collectibles hidden in this game, and I can't imagine being able to find them all without the game being portable. Ray Wilmot says, L.A. Noir, much better port than anyone might have expected, and runs like a dream on handheld. Desperately want them to take it to the next step and bring GTA or Red Dead across. Can you even imagine? Now we're going to keep on partying like it's 2011, because now we're going to talk about Skyrim. Which uh, both myself and Andrew were super excited for. Ginny played it at PAX Australia and was swayed after originally vowing to not buy it. Did you go through with that, Ginny? Yep, I went through with the 99 New Zealand dollar purchase. (laughs) Um, And... Even though the Nintendo text felt like it hurt a little more than usual, I'm really liking it. So I've been converted fully. It is the power of the Switch. I did predict this. I did say that perhaps if I got it on the Switch, I'm gonna actually finish the game for once. And it's looking like <laughs> you don't. It's looking like Skyrim. it's gonna be the case. Well, you f- you finished a good chunk of the narrative. You play um, until you're <laughs> quit. It's like a work of art. <laughs> One of us, one of us, one of yep. us. <laughs> really, what a great port. Like, if you're not a, a Skyrim fan, uh, a, a lot of people seem to have this absolute hatred of it based on the fact that it's popular and has been re-released, what, seven times now? Pro tip, don't ask for feedback about it on Twitter because of <laughs> uh, Why don't you just say Morrowind? Because Morrowind sucks. <laughs> It's it's probably not going to change your mind if you're not already a fan. But for people like me that loved it when it originally released, you're going to really enjoy being able to take this on the go and playing it around the house wherever you like. I've been wanting to replay it for six years. Never found the time. I bought the PS4 version expecting to play it there, but, but I shelved that idea as soon as they even hinted that the Switch port was a possibility. <laughs> and it has not disappointed me so far. It It runs brilliantly. It looks great. Like, I was expecting concessions to be made on, say, like, the water effects, but I posted a quick video on that on Twitter, because they, they looked amazing. Um, I've had no slowdown, no matter how busy it's been or where I am in the world. I, admittedly, I'm not that far in, so I might hit something later, but at the moment it just seems like a perfect perfect port. Um, how are you guys finding it? Um, yeah, I'm liking it. As someone that wasn't in love with the game when it first came out, um, kind of got it on my other platforms, the older platforms, just because people were like, oh, it's a, you know, it's like an RPG of the decade kind of thing. Um, and fair enough, I did think that it was good, but not good enough for me to repurchase after it kept getting remastered and had all those um, HD updates and stuff like that. So as Andy said, I was initially a bit reluctant because of A, the price tag, and B, my interest previously in the game. 
I don't know if it's just maturity now or I've grown up a bit or I actually appreciate it now, but um, I think it's great. Um, it looks great. I think it looks better than the original release. I'm 99.9% .9 sure it's got remastered textures, updated textures since then. And just for a Switch game, it looks beautiful. There's very little lag in terms of loading stuff in, um, just in terms of graphics and stuff like that. Everything looks good. It feels good. Everything felt a bit dark in terms of aesthetically. I mean, just the lighting felt really, I guess, overly dim in some areas, even in broad daylight. But that might just be the game's aesthetic because I didn't play really enough of it back then to actually remember what it looked like 100%. But it looks good. It feels good. Um, it is just a great port and I'm just, as, um, as my opinion is with Eleanor, I'm just really, really happy that we get these games on the Switch. And I think just something about the Switch's magic, just being portable and being easy for me to pick up and put down, that's actually contributed to me putting more hours into Skyrim than I thought I actually would have, um, when I originally picked it up. So I'm enjoying what I've played of it so far not ridiculously deep into the story just been trying to get a climb past to it and do all the side quests this time i remember not doing that last time i was getting my butt kicked all the time because i was so weak um couldn't cast a spell to save my life but i'm playing through it slowly and methodically now and actually enjoying it and i just think the switch has sort of i guess not forced me but put me in a position where i'm happy to take the time to actually play this game i don't feel pressured to play it in a huge setting mainly because it's portable and yeah no I've been completely swayed um if you'd asked me at the start of the year if I bought Skyrim on the Switch I would have gone hell no but no it's really changed my mind I was thrilled to see Skyrim being played on the Switch in that very first commercial they released in October of last year I was like uh Skyrim portable yes please uh I could just play it on a laptop of course but I don't. I don't want to do that. I want to play it on a dedicated game console that happens to be portable. That's nice for me. Uh, I've played Morrowind and I played Oblivion, and as I alluded to just a few minutes ago, I was not much of a fan on them. But that was because I played them on consoles, and those very much felt on Xbox and on Xbox 360 like they were PC games that were being put on a console. And as we all know, uh, the real-time strategy genre gets hit with this especially hard is games that are designed to be played on the pc do not translate well to console but when i was playing skyrim i could tell just by looking at just the way you control the menus this was a game that was designed not to be played necessarily on a console but it was designed with a gamepad in mind rather than a, a mouse to work your way through the menus and find your way through the world so that alone helped boost Skyrim in my mind. It was the first Elder Scrolls game I loved. Uh, I think I played Fallout 3 in New Vegas and I really enjoyed them, but I thought they were pretty basic games. There wasn't a whole lot to them except for the shooting and the running around and exploring. Skyrim, I just wanted to do everything in it. So I'm very happy to see it on the Switch. Uh... The only real problems I've noticed with it is I've noticed a tiny amount of pop-in on just a few items that suddenly appear on the screen as you're going through an area. And also, this has been happening to me a lot today. Uh, when you're 
having a conversation with somebody, suddenly the people in the background in the area will start teleporting around. And I think that's a problem unique to Skyrim on Switch because I don't remember that happening on anything else. But those are really minor complaints and really with Bethesda games, they're infamous for being problematic. Actually, I think the amount of bugs that are actually in Bethesda games is often overstated. But I haven't had any problems with Skyrim as far as actually playing it so far. It's a great port. I read somewhere that the port was handled by Iron Galaxy, who were responsible for a very decent Borderlands 2 effort on the Vita. Mm. So okay. it doesn't surprise me that it's also running well on on much better hardware here. So Speaking of bugs, though, um, I had a couple of times where I died at the original bit where you're escaping from the dragon. Don't know if I should say spoilers or not, but I mean, this oh. game's been out for years now. It's in the first um, five minutes, it's not a spoiler. Yeah, exactly. As as the dragon is descending from the sky and scorching the entire town, I and you're sort of running through different bits of debris and trying to avoid dragon fire and stuff, I got the death screen twice, just running around unobstructed in that area, and I don't know if it was a bit of lag or maybe I had been hit by the fire but not it didn't visually register or something, but... The death screen kind of semi popped up and then it like kind of rubber banded my body back to <laughs> a couple of steps ago and let me keep going without actually quote unquote dying. I thought that was a bit funny. Um, but it happened quite a few times during the original Dragon Chase. I don't know if you guys have encountered similar things like that. But um... now that you mention it, there were a couple of times I thought I hadn't got somewhere quick enough and it went into like the death animation, but I figured it's just because <laughs> I was knocked over. So I don't know if mm. that, yeah. Maybe that is a bug. Who knows? Yeah. Um, now, what character have you made and what type of class are you aiming for? Okay, uh, on the 360 version of the game, I made a Dunmer, a dark elf, who was an assassin. Uh, snuck mm-hmm. up on people, stabbed him in the back. That was how I played the entire game. Um, uh, on the PC version of the game, I made a Khajiit, who was also an assassin, played him the exact same way. Uh, on the Switch version, I've decided to go for a Bosmer, who is also stealth-focused, but I'm focusing more on the bow. I originally did that because I wanted to play the game with motion controls, but I gave up on the motion controls after about an hour. <laughs> yeah, because uh, on the Switch, the motion controls on all these games that are coming out, they're going to use the gyroscope to control the aiming. And I'm a, I am love playing Resident Evil 4 on the Wii because it uses the IR bar, that little light bar you had to plug into the Wii. It uses that to control where the cursor appears on the screen. I've never had success using the gyroscope for aiming to do the same thing. I would much prefer that every company out there, including Nintendo, would just use an IR bar with the Switch or with the Wii U or whatever it is. They don't. They use the gyroscope because because they do. So as long as they keep doing that, I'm probably not going to be using motion controls. I really wanted to do it this time, but it just it did not feel good. Uh, it didn't look good. It kept flickering around the screen and my cursor was teleporting all over the screen i just just pass so that was why i made an archer and i'm gonna carry on with that development route even though i'm no longer going to be doing the primary reason i was doing that i decided to recreate my D character 
Wernan Nagarok, which is basically my name backwards and sounds like a, a high fantasy name. Damn. Uh, he's literally just a boring warrior, uh, but he's, in D and D, he's races Dragonborn, which is like the the humanoid dragon race. Yeah. Uh, yep. So it fits as as my character here is a Dragonborn by ability. So I thought that was a good fit. So I've just started on that. Um, I went for the warrior style, you know, to to boost those stats first and foremost. Um, but I I'm not that far yet. I haven't even got the first shout, so we'll, uh, I'm sure I'm going to get to that fairly soon. So yeah, we'll see how that develops. Um, I am playing a battle mage. Um, I went imperial this time. Um, so just pumping my skills into one-handed and magic currently to see how that goes. I like playing battle mage in games like Divinity: Original Sin. So um, we'll see how it goes here. I played a stealth archer last time. Um, a Kajit South Archer on the PC. So I thought I'd go a complete 180 and try and just, you know, really get in the face of some of my enemies instead of hiding in the shadows and sniping them from afar with poison arrows. So um, we'll see how it goes. Um, haven't encountered too much difficulty quite yet, but um, I haven't just been spamming the healing spell on myself pretty much every encounter and screaming mm-hmm. <laughs> when things are sort of too big for me to take on at that level. Um, but it's working out. We'll see how it goes. I'm having fun. I'm trying to roleplay it a bit more. So last time I would just steal anything, every opportunity <laughs> I could. I'm trying to be good mm. or or at least a bit more noble in this one um, until I get to the Black Hand missions where I'll probably just throw out all my morals and start murdering people. But <laughs> Yeah, that that's always been a problem in Skyrim is you can't really roleplay if you want to see everything the game has to offer because like, you can be a goody two-shoes on this side of the game, but if you want to do the Dark Brotherhood quests, which are like some of the best quests in the game, I think, you pretty much have to be a murdering scumbag to do it because there is a Destroy the Dark Brotherhood quest option, but it's boring uh, it's one quest you go into their lair and you kill everybody you get a thousand gold and said thanks for doing that and that's the end of it you miss out uh, it would be a far more interesting if there was an equally well-designed contrasting quest line to go along with that and apparently there was originally supposed to be but it just got cut out so that's disappointing but basically unless you are willing to either roleplay a bad guy or completely throw the concept of roleplaying out the window, you're going to miss out on a good chunk of the game. Okay, so we've had some listener feedback for this one as well. Ruslan, aka JPS Endless Blue, says, I've been playing Skyrim non-stop since it came out. It's a flawless port and I can't believe it's on a Nintendo handheld. Uh, meanwhile, Metkiss says, man, something like this was the dream back in the PSP days. It's almost weird to know that this is running on a hand- handheld and still looks like Skyrim. Okay, next up we have It'll Do 2 Plus. Uh, you've been playing this, Andrew? I played it for a night, yeah. Uh, this is the latest Switch release from publisher Nicholas. Nicholas always puts out really cool indie games on Switch and usually gives them a physical release, which has a really cool feel in it, and this game is no exception. Uh, we've talked earlier in this podcast about how there are two zelda likes out on the system which is ocean horn and yono and the celestial elephants this is a third one uh, it plays an awful lot like the game boy era zeldas but it's got a really attractive looking hand-drawn 3d polygon style and basically you, you wash up on an island with your 
talking fox friend and you try to build a raft to get you off of it and there's eight different raft pieces in eight different dungeons all across the island and you've got to go there and get them so you can move on uh i assume it'll do one had the same plot and if there's an it'll do three it'll probably be the same thing it's just if you're looking for a good top-down zelda adventure this is there to scratch that itch now i had read originally with the first game that uh, he pitched it to Nintendo as a, hey, can I make this as a Zelda game? <laughs> Daily. And they said no, but hey, continue making your game. Which is kind of cool, I thought. And it, so it's nice to actually see it arrive on a Nintendo console. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, also out, uh, things we can comment on. Uh, Batman the Telltale series. Both me and Andrew have played this on PS4. Um, I... I really enjoyed what Telltale did with it. They came up with some really interesting takes on Batman's lore, not just in terms of him or his villains, but also the entire premise of his origins, flipping the legacy and influence of his parents completely on its head. Uh, They made excellent use of his detective skills, as well as using all the gadgets. I love how his his Batman voice is a voice changer and not Wayne putting on a gruff voice like Bale in Nolan's Batman trilogy. Where is it? Uh, you wouldn't have given it to a random citizen (laughs) you know the gruff thing only works when Kevin Conroy is voicing Batman anyway so that's fine I don't want to go into spoiler territory but I definitely recommend people give it a go in spite of the usual telltale problem of episode 3 just not being as good as the rest Uh, I'd I'd be tempted to replay it on Switch at some point uh, it's a bit pricey right now, but maybe if they confirm season two, I'll I'll consider it. I played it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think it's Telltale's best work, uh, but I think that they did try really hard to do something cool with the Batman series. Uh, Batman has been Batman's origin story has been told and retold over and over and over. So I was kind of disappointed to see that that was the direction they're going with this. But they did do some. Some things that, as far as I know, are completely original, uh, but it's still, it felt really familiar. It still felt like it's Batman. Uh, so I think if you haven't played it, I think the Switch is a really good platform for a Telltale game to be on. Uh, I'm just surprised that they didn't make The Walking Dead be the first thing they brought over, but I, it, you could really tell just from playing this series that... Telltale really wanted Batman to be their next big seasonal release where we're gonna this is not going to be just one game we're gonna do a whole bunch of these it was really blatant playing Batman that was the direction they were going with this uh if you haven't played it you might enjoy it but um, my hesitation on the Telltale series on any of their games on the Switch is they put out Minecraft too and they cost more on the Switch than they do on other platforms, and I don't know why. But all the future Telltale releases, if they stay the way they are right now with their current engine and can be running on Switch no problem, I would be strongly tempted to make the Switch the platform I always play Telltale games on now on because it, it just fits well. And speaking of spending money... Antiquia Lost. Apparently this is a microtransaction fest. Yeah. What do you know about this one? Um, so I was actually looking for another game to pick up just in the midst of Eleanor and Skyrim, just as like a, I guess, a palate cleanser again. 
um, which I knocked one off my list. And it looks like it looks like a really really cool JRPG. Probably is a really cool JRPG. But um, what caught my eye was the microtransactions that you can buy on the eShop for the game. And um, so I did a tiny bit of digging on the background of the game to see what would require these microtransactions. And apparently it was a mobile game previously, so one of those sort of free-to-play um, iOS or Android JRPGs that have um, that require you to pay real money to unlock certain aspects of the game, like the ability to upgrade items, to fuse items together, and to grow um, vegetables or some sort of ingredients to then make a character stronger. The pricing on the Switch seems a little bit hefty to still require the use of microtransactions, so that was a bit... Um, that was one of the reasons why I was hesitating, just because if you're buying the fully featured game, why do you really need micro microtransactions? It looks like most of the ones that you can buy in the eShop are to give you extreme EXP game bonuses, like 200%, like we're talking here, or extreme power-ups for your characters. And I read some reviews of the mobile version which say that some of those power-ups are necessary to actually defeat certain characters in the game. So all in all, um, it's a purchase I would have picked up if not for that. Um, I think if we're going to release a full featured game, a full priced game on the Switch in that style, there shouldn't be a need for those microtransactions. Um, I mean, I love myself a grindy JRPG or two, but if I really wanted to play a good JRPG, we already have I Am Setsuna on the Switch and other smaller games like that. So it might be for you if you're a fan of the sort of pick up and play, really, really simple, linear um, JRPGs that often come out on mobile platforms. It's got an interesting premise in the fact that you absorb energy from characters that you kill to then make yourself stronger. But apart from that, I don't think it's anything particularly innovative, but it does look solid if you're okay with the microtransaction aspect and you just want another game to play. VVV, VVV. Um, I've, I've seen this talked about a lot, but I've never experienced it. Ginny, you th- said you might pick this one up. Yeah, um, I had a look at it and it kind of reminds me of the PC game Thomas Was Alone um, in which you play as like a bunch of shapes trying to navigate um, a, a chamber of sorts. It's just like a regular 2D platformer, really. But the premise of VVV, VVV, I think that's enough fees, um, it looks really interesting. You appear to control two characters that mirror each other's movements upside down. So you've got the screen split into basically two sections and you'll move uh, with each other um, except obviously I think each section will have different obstacles and so part of the puzzle is figuring out how to safely navigate both your um, humanoid avatars to safety um, with that mechanic. It looks quite cool as a very stripped down platforming style. Um, it's the kind of game that I like in terms of a very simple platformer so I think I might pick it up when I've had time to actually work through and perhaps finish Eleanor and attempt to get a fair way through Skyrim. But it looks quite good. Uh, the price tag's not too bad. Um, so I think it will probably offer quite a bit of replay value. So we'll see. I'm definitely interested in it. Okay, and the stuff that we're not interested in, or not yet interested in, and or haven't picked up yet, we've got uh, Lumo, uh, Rhyme, uh, Rive, Xeno Rage, Green Game Time Swapper, Aces of the Luftwaffe Squadron, and Ginger Beyond the Crystal. Now, just a general comment here from Crady Craig said, Blimey, what a week. And I just realised that Rhyme and Rive are not the same game. I also had that same re- realisation. <laughs> so with the new releases read through, what are we playing in this coming week? Definitely more Skyrim. 
Um, definitely more L.A. Noir. And Battle Chef Brigade will be out um, tomorrow, I think. So definitely that as well. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot more next week since Andrew and myself were both really keen for Battle Chef Brigade. So that will be my trifecta for the next seven days. What about you, Andy? Uh, so I'm going to keep going with Skyrim. I'm planning on putting some serious time into it this week. Uh, I'm going to try and fit in another cu- couple of short games to go with the remaining days off I've got left. So Oxen Free for sure. I'm probably going to hit that tomorrow. Uh, maybe Implosion too, if I can fit that in. Um, I'm probably going to start LA Noir. Uh, but I'm thinking I might try and drag it out over a few weeks. Maybe do like a, a case a week, treat it like a TV show sort of thing. Part of my issue that I didn't mention before is that I've also got Danganronpa 3 on the go, which I'm quite close to finishing, but I don't want like two detective mm. games on the go at, at yeah. the same time. Um. Yeah, and I think that'll be it for me. Just more Skyrim, some short games, and maybe a bit of L.A. Noir if I can fit it in. Andrew? Well, between Skyrim and Battleship Brigade, I'm going to basically spend all next week devouring Dragon's Hole. So that'll be cool. <laughs> Tuesday, I'm expecting to receive my physical copies of Rhyme and Axiom Verge Multiverse Edition, so I'm going to be checking both of those out as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Why not also check out our YouTube channel, where we regularly upload the first hour of many of the games we play. Follow us on Twitter at SwitchFocusPod, YouTube, Facebook, and at SwitchFocusPodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. You can follow us individually. Andy is at Flame Roast Toast. Ginny is at Ginny Woes. And I am at Play Critically on Twitter. Thank you for listening. And Leo Plop, go to sleep. It's past your bedtime. <laughs> <laughs>
these are the other things that were quote unquote invented this year personal robots glasses that help blind people see low sugar ice cream a mug that heats coffee the iphone x drones ale fish filters and fidget spinners these are all things that already existed